Welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast, hosted by the Young Adult Ministry at Bentry Bible Fellowship in Carrollton, Texas. At Bentry, we experience and share the love of Jesus. To learn more about the Young Adult Ministry at Bentry, head over to bentry.org slash youngadults. And now, let's join the conversation with today's host in the Sanctuary. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Sanctuary Podcast. My name is Antoine. Uh, I'm the young adult pastor at Bantry. We have our co-host here. Nicole. <laughs> watch the first episode to get that. Yeah, yeah, watch the first episode, you'll get that. No, who are you? You guys still say no. My name is Haley Nicole Whitaker. Haley Nicole Whitaker. So poetic. My name is Kristen Schott. We'll skip the middle name. Yeah, we'll skip the middle name. Kristen Schott. Well, hey, welcome. This is our first, we did our first episode with introductions, but this one, we're going to actually get into some discussion. And um, in many ways, what we're going to discuss is the essence of why this podcast exists. It's uh, one of the things that we really want, I guess it's a problem we're trying to solve in some ways in Christian community where um, there's a lot of doubts that we have that we just keep quiet and we don't really want to say or we feel afraid. Maybe, I bet we do want to talk about our doubts, but I think we don't feel that we can. Yeah. That's probably more like what the feeling is. Like, because I think most people, when they are surprised by what they think or feel, they kind of want to get that out or process that with people. Anyway, but it hasn't, sometimes the church is not a safe place to do that. So today we're going to talk about faith and doubt and how to wrestle with not how, but that we wrestle with that. Uh, one of the things we didn't say in the first episode uh, was that we're not going to try to solve all these problems in our conversation. Part of the conversation is not to like leave you with a, this is what you ought to do. That's not the goal, particularly, of our episodes. Um, there may be some things in here that we do say that could be helpful, uh, but, but we're trying to just make space for the conversation in general. And so we may, you know, we may finish some episodes without a clear, this is what you should do-ness to it. And that's okay with us um, because that's what growth is like. That's what process and being in process is like. So so just want to set some expectations that that may be how the conversations go in the future. And that may be how we end today. Uh, but yeah, so faith and doubt. So first of all, why do you guys think this is such a problem? In, in our communities where when you start to feel these doubt, it doesn't feel safe to, to say them. Yeah, I think, no, I mean, obviously the church is made up of broken people, but like just somewhere along the way, again, church as a whole, I'm not calling out specific people or a specific church, but has just kind of created this idea of like the opposite of faith is doubt. So if you have any doubt, you don't have faith or vice versa. If you say you have faith, you believe in God, then like any doubt you have, like it, it means your faith isn't real or mm -hmm. you're lacking faith kind of thing um, and along those lines. And so I think, there, I agree with what you said. It's not that people don't want to talk about it. Like I think a lot of times once you get people talking about this, like they won't, not in a bad way, they just won't shut up because like finally I someone I can talk yeah, to about like, this. Yeah, like, it's liberating. It just out, exactly. Yeah. It is. Um, and I think sometimes like the enemy wants us to keep it in because he knows it is liberating and healing to speak it out. But I think a lot of times they think that they're going to be judged, that they're going to be, you know, just pushed to the side or even, you know, bring this back to like we don't want to necessarily land the plane every time. That I think sometimes in in Christian culture in the big C church we've gotten this idea of like 
okay, you're doubting this area. Here's just this like cliche or this comment to kind of hopefully shut you up, um, you know, and just kind of band-aid like, here you go. You know, God, this is the God solution. Distant. Here, no, he's close. He's this verse that tells you that. Go on mm-hmm. with your life. Yeah. Instead of like holding both of them of like they both, God can feel, God is close. Like it says, you know, in Deuteronomy, I'll never leave you and forsake you. But at the same time, we can also feel that he's he's distant and like holding both of those. And yeah. so I think I think a lot of times it's black and white. It's either or. That's why people can't speak up because the church has that mindset of like either doubting or faith. Yeah, both. like they're like they're oil and water. Yeah, and can't can't be coexistent. Yeah, and many times I think we see that with the younger generations are rubbing shoulders with the their parents or their grandparents' generations who, for them, it was much more normal to be handed down you know, your system of faith from your parents and your grandparents. And for them, for like our parents, grandparents, that was fine and that was normal. Um, not that they didn't ask questions, but it is becoming so much more of a thing today. I'm going to use the, the P word, postmodernism. The time in which we're living younger generations are asking themselves really tough questions and they want to have yeah. knowledge combined with their faith. Not that the previous generations didn't, but they're asking maybe new questions that might scare their parents or their grandparents. Yeah. And so that's where we come into that dichotomy of you really can't ask this thing because to to me, the person from a previous generation, to me that sounds like you are doubting everything. Yeah, It is all or nothing. Mm. Um, I might be getting ahead of, myself but so I don't know I'll what I'm thinking of is a time my very first semester at DTS at Dallas Seminary I had an amazing prof who um he very quickly in the class like it was one of my it was my first residential class and it was one of the first seminars that we had he talked about uh, over time he's probably in his I don't know, mid-70s when he's saying this, mm-hmm. he said over time his his circle of things that he held to be absolutely necessary to be a Christian has actually grown a lot smaller. I should say mm-hmm. it's become a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for, for us talking about this, I think something that I, I want to get into today or at least just recognize is there are at least like two types of, of doubt, that there are things that we could be doubting that are like, secondary things to the faith like it is not essential to you being a christian like if you're having doubts about i don't know like i i am not sure how much this like what is true from left behind's eschatology like uh, belief of like what's going to happen to us or I don't rapture know. theology or yeah 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 post- these things that are not central right. to salvation um so there is an there's a huge area of like questions that our listeners might be having and we have um, that are not, they're like secondary issues to the faith. Um, But there are also these primary issues. That's probably the scarier things is if you're having um, doubts about primary issues about who God is, who Jesus is, uh, what he did, what kind of effects that has, like if he was a real person, like those kind of very, very central things. Um, And so if y'all wanted, we could kind of open that up too. We could get into some of that. Um, Yeah. The, Particularly the, you're talking about the essential, the doubts around the essential things. Yeah. That's what you like to get into. Yeah, let's do that in just a minute. Um, I just want to tag in on that that general concept of faith and doubt and those things coexisting. And and, and I love that you say, like, generationally, um, 
the starting place for these conversations is just different. And part of the things that's not helpful is trying to force one generation, trying to force their starting place on the next generation. Mm. Um, when in reality, as we ha- we are growing increasingly, you say use the, use the term postmodern. I would say religiously or neutral, um, where the generations are looking at all the things in front of them, religion and otherwise, and nothing really has the benefit of the doubt or nothing nothing has a, a head start as much as it used to. Like back in the day, Christianity had a head start in the conversation for a lot of people. So you could say, the Bible says, and then people would be like, oh, that sounds great. Um, I'm going to go with what the Bible says without questioning the Bible. Um, and we're in an era now where the Bible says, it's like, so why should I care what the Bible says, mm-hmm. right? And that's where the, that's the generation we're in now. And to say that out loud to a generation that's like, no, we never asked that question. We trusted it to be true sounds almost heretical to say, why are you questioning the Bible? But that's where the generation, that's where much of the generation is. And it doesn't matter whether you're someone seeking God or whether you're someone who's been active and leading and mission tripping and teaching in small groups, you still arrive to a place, uh, I think, in this generation where you're asking yourself, like, is this thing, is this thing real? Is this thing true? You know? Um, and why should I trust this stuff? Um, and, and there's a part in your head, I think, that you know that you should, but there's this other part that that still sits there and says, but but, am I being duped or am I mm. have I wasted my time or, you know, what if I haven't? What if I'm wrong? You know, and what am I? What have I sacrificed and given up for this? And and those things can 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 coexist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we did a good Good Friday sermon and uh, we were talking about Jesus on the cross. Uh, saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that that passage in my life has been such an interesting passage because it's this recognition that there's a feeling of abandonment, but there is an abandonment, but there's a feeling of it. There's there's Jesus saying, God, you feel far from me. He's quoting Psalm 22, and Psalm 22, he's saying, I'm praying and you're not listening. And those are the feelings. Those are the, if you will, a kind of doubt, you know, to say, hey, I'm not sure that you're even here. I'm not even sure that you're listening. Um, and yet, he combats it. And there's this little bit of um, there's this little bit of there's this tension that's sitting there um, uh, in that passage. So mm-hmm. anyway, you see it in Jesus. Mm-hmm. You see it in in uh, the disciples, yeah. where man Thomas was with Jesus, the best <laughs> teacher of the world has ever seen, uh, the best leader the world has ever seen. He led with 12 people, with them every single day, you know, like yeah. every single day they live together. And at the end of the three years of that, Thomas is not sure what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Thomas has no idea. He's like, what now? And when he when, when what was told to him happened in that three years, he's still like, I'm not, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know for sure. Yeah, I got, I got to touch the. You know, yeah, the I'm gonna have so to see just, it, right? And you just really imagine that. So, Jesus is the best. He's the he's the gold star standard <laughs> for disciple making, and his disciples after three years, no. not quite sure what's going on. Yeah, both of those examples are fantastic. Because um, first is Christ 
himself mm-hmm. <laughs> expressing maybe you can call it doubt, maybe you just call it grief, extreme grief and feelings of abandonment. Yeah. Um, and then, well, yeah, one of his his closest friends who had been with him probably for years. Um, and notably, after that, um, the whole doubting Thomas scene, Christ does not condemn him right. at all. I also think of there's a place in Luke 7 and another of the synoptic gospels where um, John sends messengers back to Jesus. Yes. And is this is Jesus' cousin, first yeah. of all, and the one who paved the way for him, who proclaimed, like, prepare, like, he's coming, the Messiah is coming, who was so sure at one point, mm-hmm. but then later sent these messengers asking, are, but are you actually the one? Because you're not doing the things that I thought you were going to do, and this doesn't look exactly mm-hmm. like what I thought it was going to be. Such and again, notably, Jesus does not condemn John either, and he like later in that passage, like publicly in front of the people, speaks very well of John, and like very highly of like, this is not a reason to condemn John. This is not a reason to like, oh, okay, he's not going to be a part of my ministry anymore because he doesn't trust me. No, like he still thinks so highly of John and loves him very dearly. Well, I love that because yeah. John leaps in the leaps in the womb early. You mm-hmm. get him from the very beginning. John yeah. the Baptist is shown as all about what Jesus is doing. And and you do have this amazing scene where John's like, hey, can you check and make sure that this is the right dude? Yeah. Yeah, how in the world? He's in prison and, you know, wow. That's, yeah. These are those great examples. Yeah, no, I love I love the way that you said, that, like, at one point he was so sure and now he's, like, sending messengers back because I think that's what he's for in my, in my life, like, when I started experiencing, like, doubts and wrestling and struggling and all of that. Like, I've been a Christian my whole life, essentially. Like, for so many of my years... Of my life, I was so strong and so confident, and like I just kind of I call it blindly believe. Um, and so then when all these like doubts and questions started coming up, I was like, "What the heck? Like, what did I do wrong?" Quote unquote. Like, did I mess up somewhere? Because like you know, for so long it was. And so I think it's important to just recognize that like, even if you've been super strong in your faith, like don't be so surprised if doubts come. Like maybe you have doubts at the beginning, and then it becomes strong or stronger than doubts. But most likely, it's going to be like up and down and up and down. You know, as you go through yeah. mountains and valleys. And so I think it's just a great point to realize that like no one is exempt from doubting it at some point in their journey or multiple points in their journey, no matter how long you've been walking with Jesus or how close you think you are to God or like how much of the things you're doing um, kind of thing. Because yeah, it is. And even I think like back to the Old Testament, I know this is before Jesus, but I love a lot of times I look at the Israelites and like God freed them and did, you know, mm-hmm. all the different like plagues and things on Egypt. And then they get to the Red Sea, and they're, like, complaining, like, we wish we would have been back there. Mm-hmm. Why'd you bring us out here to die? And I'm like, are you idiots? Like, you just saw what God did. Yeah. And then he parts the Red Sea, and then they complain about, like, food. And I'm like, yeah. are you stupid? Like, how do you keep forgetting? <laughs> yeah. But then, like, the Holy Spirit lovingly reminds me that, like, we also are like that, where God yeah. will do something. He'll show up. We'll be like, yes, you're so faithful. You're amazing. And then, you know, at a different season or a different time in our mm-hmm. lives, like, we're so easy to forget. And um, just, like, bringing it back around. Yeah, and all those examples, God and Jesus is just so loving and compassionate because yeah. like he understands like he wants us to come to him with the doubts because like that's still showing that like, okay like I know something's there like I believe still almost like the the, the father in I think Mark somewhere in Mark where he's like I believe that help my unbelief yeah mm-hmm. yeah um, but it's this idea of like we're coming to God with them because it's like I know this is what I know I know the spirit like this is true, but like help me because I don't see it. I don't feel it. I'm not experiencing it. Yeah. Like all of that. Yeah. So. That's what Jesus says too. He's yeah. like, he's like, he's like the spirit is willing, but the yeah. flesh is weak. That's what he's saying in yeah. the garden of Gethsemane. 
he's like, I don't want to do this thing, you know, uh, and we all have that. I think it's part of the it's part of the the journey. Um, I wish I wish we had done a better job of creating and providing creating spaces and providing tools to 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 deal with doubt, you know, in a healthy way. Um, uh, creativity comes out of doubt, you know. Um, I, if I didn't doubt, if I didn't, I'm going to use question as a form of doubt. If I didn't question some of the things I heard, if I just took it, like there's so many scriptures and sermons I've heard that when, when I went and looked at the scripture myself, I was like, oh, that is not what that's saying. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is not, in some cases, it's the opposite, right? And God met me often in in the journey that resulted from doubts. Mm-hmm. And that kind of takes us to kind of what you were talking about. Like this, uh, it can lead us to the space where you're like, hey, there's some core things about, about the faith that... Uh, where doubts can show up, and I know you was gonna, you kind of want to jump into that a little bit. Um, I mean, I just think the experience is so different. Or, I I want to encourage people to to recognize that there are these at least like two different types. I feel like because there are plenty of things that the church might cause like guilt or shame for, whether purposefully or not purposefully. Um, but are not crucial to your faith. Like there can be very valid disagreement on certain things, like I mentioned behind uh, before the the whole like left behind end times, like understanding of what's going to happen um, at the end of all things, or um, I don't know the way that you like treat people or you talk about or react to your day-to-day situations and like one Christian might tell you, this is exactly how you have to respond to this thing. Otherwise you are not a Christian. Like, but it does not have to do with like your salvation, like having faith in Christ. There are things that we really can, you know, lose the, the pressure for that. That is a make or break. You are not a Christian because you're, you think differently from me on this specific topic. But then the experience is can be wildly different when you are experiencing doubts about the really, really central things, about like, do I actually believe that God exists, <laughs> that he is um, good? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that, that he loves me. Yeah. yeah that he's all powerful. Yeah, that Christ's, if he really did exist and do all the things that the Bible said he did, that it really covered all of these things that I feel so guilty about and I still struggle with in my life. Um, and I'm not so sure, I'm not sure like we can believe such an old document. Um, I don't know if there's like, if the records of Jesus' life are actually historical or if this is just, you know, meant to help people feel better about their lives and envisioning what might happen when they die. Those kind of doubts can be very scary. Um, but still, there is grace in that. And that's hopefully like what we'll continue to talk about here yeah yeah I think so I think I think so yeah I I think it's just like just this reiteration that doubt doubt question wrestling like there's a lot of different terms for it like maybe you're not actually doubting but you're just like questioning like hey you say you're good but how is this good so any of those terms but 
a lot of times I think like we think it's not normal, like it's not okay, but like yeah. it is so normal because and like and God understands that because He is an infinite God and we are finite human beings. Like we are not like if we did understand and know it all, we'd be we'd be equal to God like, yeah. ourselves, and we were made yeah. in His image, but we were not made equal to Him. Yeah, and so I think just that reiteration, like there is so much grace, you know, through the wrestling, through the doubts, through the questions, whatever you want to term you want to use, because like. He, we, we aren't expected to understand it all, to know it all, like, you know, especially because, like, this world is broken. Like, we go through some really hard things, or we see hard things, or we see others go through hard things, and yeah. sometimes you're just like, God, I believe, but, like, man, what is going on? Where are you? Like, whatever the case may yeah, be. Yeah, see, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm right in there with you with that, because I think, I think, I think sometimes when the doubts and all those things, questions, all those things you're talking about, when all those things come up, I think they are, sometimes is God calling us to himself through that? Like, I, I think we, we we picture doubt as an un, sometimes it's, it's told to us that doubts are completely from the enemy, mm. completely nefarious and pejorative and negative. Mm-hmm. Um, but God meets his people in the journey often and the journey shows up sometimes it's this victorious grassy you know grassy knoll kind of <laughs> Psalms 23 kind of thing and there's other times when we learn something new and special about God in the middle of our doubt and we get to see him all the more um there and I think um I think honesty around what we feel about, hey, I'm not quite, I'm struggling with this to God about that, bringing that to God and not feeling like, and then, man, if we can have a community where it's safe to do that together too. But taking it to God, like, I think God has a special thing where he meets us there. You know, I imagine I've had kids and I know y'all may, y'all are probably going to have kids someday. When I, with my kids, like two, three, four years old, like what you're saying, I don't expect them to understand everything, every reason why I'm saying what I'm saying. And I do expect that sometimes I'm going to say something that is absolutely the right thing, and they are not going to like that. And they don't have a big enough perspective to to justify it in their brains. And suddenly, I am no longer a good parent to them for the for the rest of the night. Like you suck, Dad. You know, I, I don't. I want a new dad or I, whatever, just for the night, mm-hmm. though. Yeah, right. And then tomorrow morning, where's my breakfast? Right, but mm-hmm. well, well, before the night, right. And and aren't we all just like cosmic? Three, four year olds to God, right? Just God's just big father, what a phrase. and and we're we're not we're not even adolescents. We're 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 three, four year olds with very very limited perspective, um, and God is doing things for the good, and we don't understand. And that's not to tell you you shouldn't have doubt. You should just put it away. That's to tell you that it's an absolute to what you're saying. God knows that, just like we know that of our children, and and we expect that our kids are going to be upset with us, and that's okay. We're big enough to handle that, and we're going to go ahead and continue to set and do the things that are good um, in the midst of that. And even when we do grow up a little bit and you get to the place where as a parent you sit down and you say, hey, this is why I said this. Sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. And then you get old enough, and you, you become the parent, and you realize, oh, snap, that is why you know they did that. And so I just think that I think that doubt can be a journey, some of them, not every sort, but some of these doubts that we're facing – could be a God calling us to himself all the more, you know. Mm-hmm. It's an invitation to find God personally um, in a new way for him to reveal himself. 
And that's sanctifying. That's a part of your sanctifying journey. Yeah. Um, Paul in Romans 14, he's, he's wrestling with this group of people who are like, one calls themselves mature and the other one immature. Or he says weak in the faith or what have you. But he's trying to get them to understand that, hey, everybody's got to coexist in this thing. And you shouldn't look at each other and, and call it, try to call each other out because one is still stuck on, uh, on, on what food they should eat and another one feels like they're free to do all things in the mm-hmm. spirit. And the, each of them are like yelling at the other and saying they're not Christian enough because they're making their choices. Paul is like, no, we've got to figure out a way for all of us to live together and grow together and, and push each other to do what we believe God calls us to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as we're submitted and committed to who God is and what we do believe about him and what he has called us to, we can struggle with this other stuff, learn what that is over time as part of our process, and then begin to apply that to our, to our conviction. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, Paul says, it's, it's, it's sin when you think, even if you think God wouldn't like it, and you still do it. You know, I have to find the actual mm-hmm. verses, Romans 14. But, um, but yeah, so mm-hmm. one of my favorite passages. I am 100% on board with the whole doubt is an invitation concept um, because as I was thinking about different passages I've heard or looking up passages that have to do with doubt and prep for this, I came across a couple that seemed to say opposite things and one of which I bet uh, I don't even want to think about how many Christians have probably had this passage used against them. This comes from James 1. Um, This is verses 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do, which sounds pretty harsh, very clear-cut. If you doubt... No. (laughs) (laughs) No. You're out. Do not. Yeah, yeah. Um, Such a person is unstable, and you're not going to receive anything from God. And then there is another reference. uh, It's from Jude 1, or there's only one chapter, so Jude 22. (laughs) um, That actually says, be merciful to those who doubt. And it's like, it's a command, and this is on behalf of the Lord, right? So how is the Lord both saying, don't doubt, and also be merciful to those who doubt. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think I ended up leaning more towards what you're saying about the invitation, which is what made me think of both of these, that in context, that that passage in James, that book is written to apparently a group of people who don't think that their, their works matter very much because he's talking about faith and works are like inextricably, they go together. And so it sounds like the the audience that he's writing to is okay with maybe having some their faith and not too concerned about their works. And so maybe they're just drifting into complacency. Yeah. And so what does that really say about you as a disciple if you are, you know, you're not really intending to let your your faith progress, go further with the Lord and let him challenge you in certain ways? Um, and so I think knowing the audience for James tells us that this is indeed the same God who inspired both James and Jude, yeah. where he's saying, be merciful to those who doubt. Like, there is there is still grace for you, but at the same time, I don't want you to stay there. Yeah. 
right? Because I, I love you and I want to walk with you and help you grow in this thing. And like we've been talking about, there is a journey, a beautiful journey that can come out of doubt and creativity and all these beautiful things that can start it possibly in a really scary place. But if we truly believe that the Lord is with us, like the Holy Spirit is is real and alive and dwells with us, yeah. then there is at least confidence that if I don't feel in control of what's happening and what I'm feeling right now, that is okay. Yeah. Because there is one higher than me who loves me and can walk with me through this to whatever end. Yeah. yeah. No, that's so good. Like, as y'all are talking, so many things are just coming into my brain. But um, even that aspect when you say, like, when you feel like life's out of control, like, I struggle with that because I love to be in control. I love to be <laughs> a planner and to know all the things. And, like, obviously, I hear you. Theologically, yeah, <laughs> theologically, yep, I'm very similar. Yep. Yep. I know I'm not in control. Like, you know, yeah. I, I can realistically understand that God is in control. But I think a lot of times when you start, when I've started to doubt, like, that's where I really, like, my brain's like, oh, you're not in control anymore. Like, even though I wasn't in control to begin with. But I was talking, I went to Arizona with one of my friends a few weeks ago. And we were just talking. We're both very similar people and struggling with a lot of the same things. And I just told her that, like, I miss, and I use the term blindly believe. Like, I miss, like, even a year ago, like, three years ago, when, like, you could just tell me anything in the Bible or I would hear something. And I'm like, yep, that's true. That's good. Move on. Let's go. Yeah. Instead of, like, you know, an answer to a question bringing more questions and more questions. And... All that. And so she, like, it just, it's this concept of, like, just wishing I could blindly believe. And I was kind of, like, sharing this with the Lord a few, maybe, like, a week ago or so, two weeks. I don't know, time flies. But Mm -hmm. he led me to the story, I think it's Mark 8, of the blind man who comes to Jesus. And Jesus, like, leads him away from the village, rubs some dirt and spit in his eyes, which, first of all, you're like, please, Jesus, you have the power to heal and you're going (laughs) to just spit in someone's eyes. What's up with this dramatic, uh, (laughs) dramatic scene? Just say it and it'd be done. Exactly. But, you know, and, and so then Jesus says, can you see anything? He's like, people, they're like fuzzy trees, you know. And so then Jesus does it again and then he can see fully. But I feel like the Lord in that was just like, because I was just like, God, like, I wish I could just blindly believe again. And it's something that you, Antoine, had said, if it's an invitation to see and experience more of God. And it's like, I think the Lord kind of gave me that picture of like, not that, you know, like blindly believing is bad. Like there's nothing wrong with that either. But I think when we do start to doubt, that's like the mud and the uncomfortable mud and dirt in our eyes. And like at the end of it, we're going to see him clearer mm-hmm. and better. Um, hopefully, you know, here on this earth, obviously once we get to heaven, but yeah. hopefully we get glimpses along the way. And all that to say, like, that, doesn't making, that doesn't make any of like the doubting easy like, in the moment to hear yeah. that and to know like this is the refining fire. And that's another thing that when y'all were talking, like yeah. I feel like, you know, don't know where the verse is, but it's like, you know, we're going to have faith that's that's worth more than gold once we walk through the mm-hmm. fire and it's refining, just like gold's mm-hmm. refined in the fire. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times walking through those doubts and those questions refines our faith, refines who we are. Um, and so some days it's easy to be like, yes, on the other side of that, like this is going to be good. And then some days you're like, you know what, I'm just done. I don't care where it's going to get me, get me out of this situation. Yeah. Yeah. But mm-hmm. just some of the thoughts that y'all were all Yeah, talking. yeah. I think it's interesting too, like as we, like, I'm thinking through like, you know, the environment. Okay, so we're, we're talking through it like, you know, we're talking to ourselves, you know, because I think we all have probably a very sets of doubts mm-hmm. that we're wrestling with. Um, but I want to move to the church a little bit or to the Christian space, right? Because there's something about the environment that feels um, unsafe, right? And I wonder, I wonder if it's, this is what I think, and I'm going to 
you can, get you guys thoughts on it. Yeah. So, but I wonder if it's so we've. Oh, I wonder if I can say this. Um, say okay. it. We'll cut it we'll, out. We'll, to happen. We'll, we'll say it and then we'll cut it out. Right. Um, well, I call it in sermons I've gave. I call it the the BS theology. Right. Mm. Uh, BS stands you didn't for. Say it, so. I didn't oh, say wait. it. Oh, look. BS stands for benefit statement. Oh, you know, oh. and that's, <laughs> like, that's the that's the joke. She's like, oh, she, she's like, <laughs> BS stands for. She's like, oh, wait a minute, what is he gonna say? <laughs> no, uh, but it's a it's a fun sermon thing because people hear it. I I believe the other version of it too. Like I think it's a BS theology to think that the full totality of God's presence in our life is is absolutely and always beneficial to us. Uh, I think, um, and so we we have positioned God as God is at his best when he's doing his best things for us. Mm. And so when life isn't its best, when things aren't good, when I don't feel great, when he feels distant, um, when relationships are failing, when, you know, despondency, yeah. yeah, sickness, anxiety, the general sense of incompleteness, a whole series of negative emotional content, suddenly God isn't real. Because to us, the goodness of God is associated to his benefit to us. Mm-hmm. And and that's something that I think has been the product of Christian culture in America where there's a good bit of that that's true that God is good. I'm not what good is though is defined by him mm-hmm. and not by us. But I think we celebrate even our praise is motivated oftentimes by his him showing up for our understanding of what good is. Um I think we miss discipline as good. I think we miss um we miss these parts of the story. We were talking Romans 12 last night. And in Romans 12, Paul says, be a living sacrifice. And you're like, if you had to draw a picture of what a living sacrifice is, mm-hmm. it's a, in my head, it's a lamb that's bloodied, mm-hmm. but alive. And tomorrow it's going to get more bloodied. And then tomorrow mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, 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 it's a consistent sacrificial space. And in that passage he says, you know, you're, you're a living sacrifice um, because you're transforming the way you think by the renewing of your mind, no longer conforming to the patterns of the world, which is a benefit statement way of thinking, the patterns of the world. Mm. He says when you start to turn it and you start to live sacrificially, you start to see your life as an agent of sacrifice for God and for others, then the negative things in life feel more purposeful. Mm. And, And the doubts about who God is and why he's good have an opportunity to transform into the faith that God is doing something good mm-hmm. even in this moment, right? Yeah. But if you're not thinking with that sacrificial lens and you only see God from the benefit point of view, then when there's no mm-hmm. benefit, there's no God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, I got some stuff to say about what you said. <laughs> I just, the, the, past, the thing that you just said and thing that you just said, Christian, um, make me think that we would benefit so much from viewing God as a God of story, like the way that he's revealed himself in the Bible. And I think what pulls us to really great books and narratives is that God is a God of story. Like things don't just 
happen and it's immediately resolved, there's tension and there's a middle portion yes. where things are tough and the yeah. end is not clear and you're very unsure about whether things are going to turn out well at all. And who are we to expect that our lives are going to be any different? But I think one of the ways that maybe unintentionally, like you were saying, like church culture has just created a, a no-go for uh, for any kind of like a doubt in the face of no benefit. I don't know if that just made sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that we can have grace for ourselves as much as we have grace in other stories that we see. Yeah. Like as much like God is having grace for us. We mm-hmm. kind of talked about that earlier. I think that we would benefit from having grace for ourselves and each other too. Yeah. That if we are not at that final stage where everything is resolved, that is still okay because mm-hmm. that's how God has always worked yeah. through a process, in through process. a story. We're all in process. Yeah. Sanctification yeah. is a lifelong process. I think process. people think like I'm a believer. I become a new creation. I go from here to here, yeah. and immediately, and it's like, no, what kind of, what kind of yeah? It's like one to a hundred, and it's like one to a hundred of sanctification, and then there's multiple one to a hundreds, right? There's like my prayer life, one to a hundred, my mm-hmm. faith life, my, you know, like the mm-hmm. series of how I love others, right? There's all these one to a hundreds, and people are on some number. God is growing us closer to a hundred in all of these, and so one person who's like, I'm. 78 in faith is looking at the person who's 32 and saying, I can't believe that you don't have faith. You know, you're like, well, I'm still, I'm still in process, but I also serve really well and I'm 78 there. I don't Mm -hmm. see, you you know, and Mm -hmm. and so now you have this infighting. Yeah. Yeah. And then also the fact that the sanctification process I have found is not always linear. Things that God teaches me at one point, like we kind of talked about earlier, I go back and doubt later and struggle with again and again and again, and then I feel like I've conquered it, and then I doubt again, and it's yeah. it's not always linear. Yeah. What I was going to say, I, I think, too, and I hope I can say this. I don't know. Like I talk a lot about this with my therapist. I love my therapist. Um, she's a Christian counselor, and she actually went to DTS and all that. So just a great mix of like psychological and biblical stuff. But she, we've, we talk a lot about of, like, unfortunately, I think – there's been a little bit of like the prosperity gospel that's leaked into big C church Christian culture 100%. as a whole. Like we may not stay on the, you know, on the stage or, you know, and, and preach that like, if you love God, then you'll be healthy and all this. But like, I think it sneaks its way in. So we think that if you are sick mentally or physically, if you are struggling with sin, if like you are doubting or these bad things are happening, then like something must be wrong with your faith. Like you need to pray more. You need to have more faith. I mean, as someone has struggled with depression for years, like luckily no one's ever told me this, but I have friends where people have just said, oh, you have depression, just have more faith. Just pray more as if like that's magically going to cure them. And like, of course, can God do that? Yes. But like, you know, and so I think that's partly that just came to me of like why it is hard to doubt and to question in the church um, because either doubt and questions come with difficult things that you know the church is saying you shouldn't be going through those or those difficult like doubts and questions They're like no like if you're a new creation you just believe you don't struggle you're set free you know but it's like this this idea of like we we have been like we have been set free we are a new identity we're living in like the the now but not yet I forgot the right term already, right. already yeah. but not yet yeah. thank yeah. you yeah that's already true but like until yeah. heaven like. It's not going to be perfect. We're not going to have, you know, yeah. all, I don't know. But. Yeah, 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 yeah 100%. Um, yeah, yeah, there's, you're right. There's that, there's, there's that expectation. I, I'm 100% in agreement with you about, you know, that little bit of prosperity. I think, I think we feel like we need to protect, you know, I've said, bef- 
uh, before in a in a in a discipleship conversation over over a lunch many years ago, two or three years ago. I was like, man, you know, God really doesn't need our defense. And and in some ways, we're trying to defend God. Like we're saying, oh, something bad happened. Surely it wasn't God because I can't have you looking at God in a bad light, you know, yeah. instead of understanding that there's there's things that God uses. The core of our faith is centered around a thing that is really, really horrible on the face of it. A man, mm-hmm. an innocent man dying on a cross, right, that, that God insists upon. Mm-hmm. When When asked, hey, can we do this another way? Yeah. <laughs> God's like, no, we're doing it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, looks terrible oh, from an outside point of view until you see the full context of the redemption story. Mm. And then it's beautiful, mm. right? But on the face, it's terrible. And and if you stay on the face of it, how do you defend a God like that, mm. right? He doesn't need yeah. that defense because he's, he's doing this really great thing. And I think sometimes um, we feel like we have to defend God Mm. And it's in that defense that we create these these environments where it's like God is good, 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 and good equals benefit, 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 benefit. Mm-hmm. And so whenever there's no benefit, mm-hmm. that's the enemy uh, because we don't want to blame yeah. how you feel right now on God. Mm-hmm. When God's like, no, I'm I've I've taken you to all these emotional places to meet you there, kind of like we were saying, to grow you and to and to develop you. Um, um, yeah, so I, I I agree. Yeah, I think there's more prosperity pros, prosperity gospel than we realize in some of our that's sprinkled in a lot of our understandings that's created these environments that potentially are about protecting the image of God, the PR of God. I'll say this one thing, <laughs> um, um, and then I'm, we won't wrap up here in just a minute. But it is always fascinating to me. The oldest book in the Bible is Job. Chronological, like as far as like written, and I think, man, what an interesting way for God to introduce Himself, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's like it's like not Wild. it's not the PR that you want. Okay, we meet a God who has a person who completely completely committed to Him, and that guy says, "Hey, you can use the life of this guy who loves me and who's, who's, who's everything I want, not everything, but you get it. Um, use him." And that's a terrible, that's a terrible, so God's not concerned about his PR mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. he introduces himself that way. It also tells us that there's more, that there's more to our life than this life. And how many people have been encouraged by the story of Job? Probably, yeah, lots. Um, that God saw, and Job is sitting in heaven enjoying eternity 10,000 times over, yeah. you know? Um. So who who lost? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, from a God perspective, right? Who lost? Right? He gained. Mm-hmm. So, um, an interesting thing. Again, we're talking about perspective. We're talking about we're kids. We're talking about you know all these things that come into play uh, when we when we when we face our doubt. So, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's good. good. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well. Well. We would love to hear from you guys too. Somehow. So. <laughs> so. Uh, you can shoot me an email if you want, um, or just comment on whatever it is that we are, um, whatever it is that you're watching this on. And if you're listening, then um, just keep listening. We'll figure out a way to get get to you, or or check out the comment section or the description. Maybe we'll be something written in there that. Uh, well, we'd love to kind of have this conversation with you guys. Um, 
But yeah, thanks, ladies, for a Thank really, you. really good conversation. Y'all are amazing. We could talk about this for hours. We could. I know. There's so much. I have some other thoughts I have, but we... So many thoughts. We have to wrap it up. Song recommendations. Oh, yeah. Go for it. I I can't I can't sing it because maybe things <laughs> get in trouble, but... Um, oh, for copyrights? There, Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> um, through this, I've been thinking of... There's a song that I love by John Mark McMillan. Yes, the How He Loves guy. Um, his song is called Nothing Stands Between Us. Um, I would highly recommend that if you're struggling right now, go listen to that song, especially The Bridge, where the lines are, um, this is after a, after a period where John Mark himself was experiencing some kind of existential crisis. Um, and the lines say, Have I tried to scale your walls in vain? Talking to God. To cross your seas, I've pushed against your waves. What for all the miles have you to say? Were you there beside me this whole way? Mm. And I feel like that's such a great way to balance the tension of, yes, I walk through this thing, and then I come out the other side, and I actually do realize, wow, you were there with me. Like, you you did this. It's a really beautiful song. Highly recommend. Yeah. I'll have to go check it out. I don't think I've heard that. I haven't either. Nothing Stands Between Us. Nothing Stands Between Us. I know John Mark McMillan. So I'll look it up. Nothing stands between us. There you go, man. You got, got something to add to your to your uh, to your playlist. Haley coming in with the clutch. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us for this conversation. Um, man, keep hanging out with us. Uh, join us for the next one. But yes, this is Sanctuary, where we talk about the balance between faith and doubt. So. Um, Keep hanging out with us and uh, we'll see you next time. Be blessed.